Welcome to the St. Paul's Episcopal Church podcast. Here, we will share our thoughts, voices, and prayers. St. Paul's is a progressive community of faith with ancient roots. You can find out more about St. Paul's at their website, stpauls.dioup.org, or find us on Facebook. If you would like to share your words on this podcast, send us a message. May God's peace be with you today and always. This podcast episode is a recording of the COVID-19 vaccine town hall with faith-based communities. On January 21, 2021, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services held a discussion about the COVID vaccine with faith-based community representatives, including Reverend Lydia Buckland, from the Episcopal Diocese of Northern Michigan. Welcome everyone. Thank you for attending today's uh, COVID-19 vaccination uh, town hall meeting directed towards our faith-based community. I wanna thank Governor Gretchen Whitmer and also the State uh, Health and Human Services Department for putting this great lineup together today to answer the questions and answer, or answer the questions as it relates to COVID-19. My name is Deanna Williams. I am the Director of Faith-Based and Urban Affairs for Governor Whitmer and the uh, State of Michigan. We've worked closely together with our faith leaders from across the state and also our health department into uh, helping, helping in the response to mitigate the pandemic and keeping our communities safe. We've listened to your questions and your concerns and when we've heard your voice and we want your voices to be heard loudly as we roll out the uh, vaccine and continue to uh, mitigate the process or mitigate the uh, COVID-19 and keeping our residents in the state of Michigan safe as we do this together. We have a host of um, panelists here today, starting with our own Dr. Janae Caldoun, who is the uh, epidemi head epidemiologist for the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. We have Imam Mohammed Alahi from the Islamic House of uh, Wisdom. We have Rabbi Mark Miller from Congregation Beth El. We also have Bishop Charles Ellis, the senior pastor at Greater Grace Temple. We have Dr. Herbert Smitherman, MD, Detroit Receiving Hospital. And then finally, we have Reverend Lydia Buckley from the Episcopal Diocese of Northern Michigan. Prior to today, today's discussion, 
uh, each of the panelists and the state collected questions from the faith-based community. And also you have opportunity uh, to go online and post your questions if you have any questions or comments or concerns that we can be able to get to because this is gonna be an interactive conversation. So right with that being said, we're gonna go ahead and kick it off with uh, Dr. Janae Caldoun with an update as it pertains to the COVID-19 and the vaccine process. Thank you so much, Dion. Um, as you said, uh, I'm Dr. Jonay Keldon, the Chief Medical Executive for the state. Uh, it's truly been an honor to serve in this role and also uh, practicing on the front lines in the Henry Ford Emergency Department throughout this pandemic, uh, really seeing how it's really ravaged our communities. Um, the past two months has been incredibly devastating, and it's been particularly devastating, I'd say, for communities of color. The arrival of a safe and effective vaccine means that there is an end in sight. And these vaccines are really what we should see as the tool in our communities to end this pandemic. Now, I know that, that many people have questions about the vaccine and we'll talk about those today. And I wanna say that I think it's appropriate for people to have questions. And I think it's understandable that some people may be hesitant uh, to take the vaccine. It's no uh, question that this country's healthcare system has a history of mistreating people of color in particular. And this is part of the reason why there's so much mistrust of the healthcare system and vaccine hesitancy in, in many uh, brown and black communities. But that's why conversations like the one that we're having today are so important. We want people to get the information they need about the vaccine and to hear from their community leaders about the vaccine and what we can do collectively to slow the spread of this terrible virus. And I know uh, we'll have a great conversation with the community leaders on the panel today, but I also wanted to just start off with emphasizing the facts. First of all, these vaccines are, are safe and they are effective. The technology that these vaccines are based on has been studied for many years, well before the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's why scientists were ready to bring these vaccines forward when the pandemic hit. No steps were skipped in the authorization process for these vaccines. And the two that are currently on the market, so one made by Moderna and the other one by Pfizer, they were studied in tens of thousands of people, people of different races and different uh, leading scientists, including scientists and doctors of color, helped develop the vaccine and also have endorsed these vaccines as being safe and effective. Here in the Department of Health and Human Services, we are following CDC and the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices guidance when it comes to prioritizing groups. And we're emphasizing equity and efficiency. And you may have heard uh, us talk about this goal, which is to vaccinate 70% of Michiganders over the age of 16 as quickly as possible. I was very pleased how we started distributing these vaccines over, across the state over a month ago, December 14th. And we're making incredible strides in getting more people vaccinated, and again, as quickly as possible. We already know that over 552,000 doses of this vaccine have already been administered across the state. And in fact, uh, as a state, over the past two weeks, Michigan has jumped more than 20 spots in ranking when you compare us to other states across the country for vaccinating a certain percentage of their residents. As you may know, we started vaccinating our healthcare workforce and our long-term care facility residents and staff first. And then last week, we opened up to vaccinating those who are age 65 and up 
And some frontline workers, such as those who work in childcare, uh, K through 12 schools, our first responders, and those who are working in congregate uh, facilities like homeless shelters, prisons, and jails. And we made this determination to move forward with the next phase of vaccinations because we know that some parts of the state had already made great strides in vaccinating their healthcare workforce. And we wanted to make sure that every vaccine in the state was administered and not sitting in a freezer. Now I wanna be, be clear, we know that there are currently more people eligible to receive a vaccine than our hospitals, than our pharmacies or our local health departments have appointments for. We're concerned about this. We're simply not getting enough vaccine into the state of Michigan. And this is why the governor has asked that Michigan has more access to vaccines and that more be made available at the federal level and from the manufacturer directly. So we are asking for everyone's patience as we work to get more vaccine into the state and to work with either your local health department uh, or your healthcare system provider to um, go to your appointment when one is made available to you. So while we are thrilled about these vaccines, I still want everyone to continue to be vigilant. You have to, even when you get your vaccine, you have to continue to wear your mask, you have to continue to avoid large gatherings and wash your hands often, again, even if you get the vaccine. So looking forward to the conversation today with my uh, esteemed uh, co-panelists. So thank you, Deanna, I'll turn it back over to you. Thank you, Dr. Caldona, I greatly appreciate it. And you actually answered my, uh, my first question as it related to uh, the vaccine and the residents, we know that there's a, a minimum of shortage right now. We're expecting some more to come in. But one of the first uh, questions came up was that uh, residents have concerns about uh, people becoming discouraged and, and uninterested if it's too hard to sign up and get the vaccine. So what can they do? I know we, we talked about being patient, but what else can they do uh, to make sure that they get the vaccine as soon as possible? Yeah, I, I recognize that there's a lot of frustration. Um, but again, we've gone much faster even in the past couple of weeks after we've opened up the eligibility even more. So people can look at our website, so michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. We have a button right there on the front where you can go and see if your local health department has appointments available. And we also are partnering with 211. So you don't have to have access to the internet. You don't have to have a computer. You can call 211 and they can also help you find and schedule an appointment for your vaccine. But please do be patient and be persistent. We want everyone, everyone who wants a vaccine will be able to get one. It just may take us a while until we get more vaccines into the state. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Smitherman, I have a question for you. Um, the vaccine effectiveness, uh, it does, does it prevent the transmission and how does it work against the new strand that we hear, that we hear about that's going on right now? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, because you guys are going in and out. But I, I think you asked a question about vaccine effectiveness. The, um, both the current uh, vaccines that have been approved for emergency use, that's the Pfizer and the Moderna uh, vaccines um, have gone through significant clinical trials and for both of the vaccines. Um, they've been shown to be broadly safe uh, given those trials. These trials had uh, upwards of over 40,000 people in them apiece. Um, in terms of effectiveness, the Pfizer vaccine protects about 95% of people uh, from developing COVID. 
and that's consistent with the Moderna. There's the AstraZeneca shot that's also um, uh, been approved, uh, not quite released yet, but it protects 70% of people on average, which is still pretty good. Uh, and it's on par with protection uh, given by a flu vaccine in a good year. So bottom line, Pfizer's and Moderna protects 95% of people, AstraZeneca, 70% of people. Now, we, we've heard uh, about the side effects, mostly immediately following after the, the first vaccine. Do we know about any of those, uh, any potential for long-term risk as of yet? Uh, we don't know about long-term risk. Um, there are common side effects uh, that we see in clinical trials, uh, which I said, again, were in trials of each one of these vaccines of over 40,000 people. These are common vaccine uh, symptoms. Uh, the most common is people can get a little bit of discomfort um, uh, around the injection site. Sometimes fatigue or headaches or chills or joint or muscle pain and things like this. Uh, these typically uh, will occur within the first three days of the vaccination and usually resolve after about one or three days. Hey, thank I you very much. Vaccinated. My wife's a pediatrician. She was vaccinated. I, we had no symptoms. I had mild, uh, you know, injection site tenderness for about two hours, and I've had, and I've gotten both uh, the first dose and the second dose, uh, and so has my wife. And we've had, we actually had none of these side effects, which is the experience of most people. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Dr. Caldoun. Yeah, no, I just wanted to add to what Dr. Smitherman said. Um, he's absolutely right. The side effects are, are to be expected, but not uh, everyone will have them. I also had, had my vaccine, and after the second dose, uh, I did. I had a fever. I had a headache, some body aches. Um, what they've seen with the vaccines is that uh, people, I think it was under age 55, 18 to 55, younger individuals were more likely uh, to have some of these uh, side effects. But I also think it's important for people to know these trials are, are actually ongoing. There's a very robust process for if there's any side effect for it to be reported. It's actually mandated to be reported to the federal government. So we are continuing to track data and track every single person who's getting a vaccine so that we can understand um, any potential side effects. But again, from the data we see right now, they are safe and they are effective. Uh, Rabbi Mark Miller, how can the faith-based community help with the vaccine from your standpoint? It's a great question. And first, I, I wanna say I appreciate both what Dr. Khaldun and Dr. Smitherman said. Uh, you know, it, it's reassuring to me to hear from these physicians about mm -hmm. not only the fact that this is a safe, effective vaccine, but that it's okay to have some of these, these effects and that it's gonna be helpful in that way. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've learned uh, in my work, um, you know, I, I run a, a temple here in Bloomfield Hills. We've got about a thousand families here with lots of people who are obviously concerned about COVID and how we get past this. Everybody wants to get past this. And uh, the truth is, I think for me, coming from a religious perspective, something that's important to say out loud is that at least in Jewish tradition, it is not just a choice, but an obligation to protect your health and just as much to protect the health, safety, and life of others. So part of this to me is that if we as a society are going to get past this, which means, uh, again, I'll leave it to the doctors, but if enough of us don't get this vaccine, if enough of us don't protect ourselves and others, it won't help everyone it's our responsibility. And I, we take that seriously. And I think it's important for all of us to tell 
people of our faith, and even people who, uh, you know, who are part of an interfaith community, right? We have a lot of overlap between us, that this is something that we really need to do for ourselves and others. Thank you, Rabbi. So I want to open this up to everyone because I know that within the uh, our minority communities, there's a lot of hesitancy and there's a lot of apprehension. So uh, Imam Ilahi, uh, Bishop Ellis, I need you guys to chime in too and let us know what are you hearing and what do you think? Uh, thank you. Thank you, Dayan, Angela, and thank you, uh, Dr. Kaldun and our Governor, uh, Governor Whitmer, for your constant uh, outreach and, uh, and actions uh, in this area. And I want to say thank you also to our president, who, uh, President Biden, who called the uh, Corona uh, combat as his first uh, priority. We really appreciate that as well. Uh, as uh, Rabbi uh, Mark mentioned, there are some concern in uh, interfaith community a Jewish community, Christian community, Muslim community. And especially there are so much of rumors on social media. So, and Dr. Kaldun perfectly covered the, uh, the, the necessary dimensions of this issue. But I want to take this chance since some people of interfaith may watching us that take this this is very seriously. This is very nasty. This is uh, contagious. This is very deadly and dangerous. I have seen some community members that have been suffering. I know how horrible uh, this, this disease is. As we know, the latest number in our own country today, uh, we are talking about 25 million uh, positive cases. We are talking about 418,000 people who, who died so far. So this is not a joke. This is a very serious. Now, for some people to say, oh, what about pork? Uh, first of all, I'm not a specialist on this. I don't know the, the, the fact. But even if there are part of ingredient of the, the pork involved in this, this is totally transformation. Now this is not pork anymore. Now this is a vaccine now. Everything is changing the, in the nature of this medicine. So it, it is not haram anymore. So Jews, Muslims, whoever that, they are sensitive about this issue, that, which is appreciated. But don't worry, this is not uh, a concern at all religiously. Uh, some people say, oh, if we have this uh, um, vaccine, maybe government or some people, they are going to control us. Then we have to drop all uh, our cell phones, you know, smart cell phone, because if anybody want to control us, the best way is the cell phone. So uh, how about that? We cannot right. Have the cell phone and other issues like you know the uh, and, and I know that you are you I I have some other comment I can talk later on about that. Thank you, Imam uh, yeah. Bishop Ellis. Go ahead. Yeah, if I can jump in here, let me first of all, uh, uh, Dr. Caldoun, my hat is off to you. You know, continue to stand strong, you and the governor. Uh, it, if it makes you feel any better, uh, we preach good news, and sometimes we still get booed. <laughs> 
So, so sometimes when you're giving bad news, you know, it's hard to get a cheer and a rah-rah. Let's keep, continue to stand strong because you all are doing a tremendous job and keep informing people, even if it's not popular and even if it's not what they want to hear. And to all of my faith leaders, I'm glad to be on this uh, with you. Uh, and Dr. Smitherman, you know, I think the world of you and, and, and your lovely wife. Uh, Dion, I, 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 I put it this way to Grady Race Temple all the time. God's not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. So at the end of the day, we pray to God, God, you know, um, bring us healing. God, bring us an answer. God, 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 hurt, help, help, help to turn the tide. And then the Lord sends us medical experts and doctors and, and those individuals who help to give us good information and to keep us strong and, and to keep us living the best life that we can with the underlying conditions and things that come upon us from time to time. But at the end of the day, God is not going to take medicine for you. Uh, anybody that has blood pressure medicine, God's not going to take it for you. You've got to take it. Now, you can say, I'm not going to take it, and I'm going to believe God, but I don't know when you get to heaven, if you get there, you know, you're going to be saying, God, you didn't heal me. He's going to say, you had the healing in your cabinet. Uh, I just had an individual uh, who passed out, and uh, thank God his wife was there working in a rental house with him, and uh, Dion, come to find out, he acknowledged, when they took him to the hospital, he had to stay there two days, he acknowledged that, well, I stopped taking my medicine uh, about a year ago, because I didn't take it for a month. I felt no, no changes. And so he just stopped taking. It. He said, and what I learned is, you know, even when you feel good, still take your medicine, because at the end of the day, God's not going to do for us what we can do for ourselves. And I would say, you know, thank God for these vaccinations and vaccines. I had mine, Dr. Smithen, and I had a little soreness in my arm for about a half a day. And I understand uh, through a doctor uh, uh, on Channel 4, uh, uh, we, you all know, uh, uh, whatever the doctor is on channel four. Yeah. He said that, you know, his second dose, he said he had a little fever, kind of like you, Dr. Caldoun. He said he had a little fever, a little high temperature, 100.5. He said, but he took some uh, uh, Tylenol and some whatever, whatever. And he said, and in a few hours, you know, it was pretty much gone. So, you know, whenever something goes in your body, you're going to have some kind of effect. There's nothing you can take that you don't get an effect. If I eat ribs at night, I'm going to have an effect at two o'clock in the morning. So at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, don't let, a side effect keep you from the long-term goal, keeping yourself protected from this coronavirus. Because 408,000 people, that's a lot of people. And that could have been any one of us, but by the grace of God. Right. And you're referring to uh, Dr. Uh, Frank McGregor from uh, Channel 4. Frank McGeorge. McGeorge, right. McGeorge. Yes. Reverend Lydia Buckley, up in the, all the way up in the upper UP, Mackinac Island, right? You're in a rural area. And so I know you're getting some feedback from individuals and some hesitancy and apprehension from those individuals there. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I'm actually in Marquette, Michigan. I'm sorry, Marquette. Area. That's okay. And that's, I had a colleague remind me and say, you know, when you say we're in Northern Michigan, people still think that's under the bridge, right? So you're going to need to be more specific. So we're way up in that other hand. Um, and yeah, you know, I w- especially when you're speaking about people of color, I think especially of our individual indigenous siblings. Um, You know, I have a friend who's native and younger, and he said, when one of our elders dies, we don't lose just a person, we lose a whole tradition because of the languages and the customs and how it's orally passed on. And so, um, particularly for our Native American siblings, um, we are wanting to be, you know, cautious and 
and to encourage people to take vaccines. I would say uh, our folks are actually very anxious to receive the vaccines. It's funny how things work in a rural area. You get like the game of telephone where so-and-so says, hey, if you go over to Iron County, I hear they figured out they could do 60 shots instead of 20. So they're trying to get people to go. And so then someone calls someone else and someone calls someone else and they get up there. So um, the role of, of our communities, I think, particularly in these rural areas, is to spread the word about when you can get on the list, when you should keep calling, um, you know, at what time is it best to go get the appointment. But our folks are just anxious to get back together in person. And I think they're, they're being really patient as we visit online and meet online um, to wait it out. And that's, that's really what we're called to do right now. Absolutely. Thank you for that. So it's, it's all about spreading hope and not COVID, spreading hope and not COVID. Uh, Dr. Uh, Smitherman and Dr. Uh, Caldoun, as it pertains to the vaccine and allergies and women that are uh, in their first trimester of a, of a pregnancy, how does this affect them or should they be getting the vaccine as well? So let me, I want to answer one quick question that was brought up and that was about uh, pork and those products. So I did want to make sure we clarified that. You know, gelatin from pork and cow products is often used in vaccines to stabilize the drug's ingredients and to ensure that they remain um, effective throughout the distribution process. But the COVID vaccines from Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca do not use pork gelatin in their formulas. Um, and the other issue that sometimes comes up is do the vaccine contain any aborted fetal cells? And no, the COVID-19 vaccines uh, do not contain any of the aborted uh, fetal uh, cells. So I think that's also a concern and, and, and a topic that becomes very sensitive and important uh, within communities of faith. Thank Dr. you. Dr. Caldoun, can, I, don't, I can't, don't even remember the other question, but Dr. Caldoun, it's yours. Well, when we were talking, I'm sorry, we were talking about uh, the allergies and when we were referring to uh, pregnancy for women in their first trimester or pregnant women um, that wanted to get the vaccine, should they be getting the vaccine? Well, well, right now, it, the clinical trials right now have not studied uh, children less than uh, 14. One of them is less than 16. And they haven't done studies on, on pregnant women. So at this point, they are beginning to do those studies. At this point, the recommendation right now is for those two groups not to have the vaccine until we have clinical trials that show that they're safe. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I would just add for, for pregnant women, um, the CDC recommendation, it can be offered, but to Dr. Smitherman's point, it hasn't been, the trials haven't been done in pregnant women, but they can talk to their um, healthcare providers and it can certainly be offered. And I would just add, especially for pregnant women, we've seen some really bad outcomes at childbirth, uh, prenatal, um, uh, early labor, um, when pregnant women do have COVID-19, even death of some uh, pregnant women who have had COVID-19. So I think it's an important consideration. <clears throat> I'll, I'll answer about the allergies. Um, so most people who are allergic to certain foods um, or, or you know, have seasonal allergies, that really has nothing to do with, with the, the COVID-19 vaccine. If you do have an allergy to the specific components of the vaccine, then you should absolutely talk to your healthcare provider and it may be recommended that you not get the, the vaccine. So if you have an allergy to a component of the vaccine or you, if you've had very severe allergies uh, to specific medications in the past where your blood pressure drops or your throat swells up, those may be reasons to talk to your healthcare provider first. 
most of those really serious anaphylactic like acute allergic reactions occur within 30 minutes of receiving the vaccine. And that's why oftentimes you're asked to wait in the office for 15 to 30 minutes once you've received the vaccine to make sure that some of the more emergent um, uh, allergic um, um, events don't occur. Thank you so much. Thank you for that, for those uh, answers there. Because we want to deal in facts and not fiction, right? We want to make sure that the community knows exactly what's taking place and what's happening as it pertains to this vaccine. And I know there's a, when we talk about the clinical trials and we talk about the hesitancy within the uh, African-American community, and I know some people have some apprehension because of the past experiments when it comes to vaccines. Um, can, can, we, can you talk to that, Dr. Uh, Smitherman, and how important it is that we move past, uh, we, we understand where our history was, but we have to move past that and move into an area to where we need to make sure that people are getting vaccinated because we have to get out of this uh, pandemic. Well, it is a problem because, you know, there's a lot of research that is reported on surveys that, you know, earlier in 2020, about 72% of Americans said they would definitely take uh, the vaccine, and that dropped in November of last year to only 60%. And if you look at ethnic groups, 40% of African-Americans, 60% of Latinos and, and whites said they would take the vaccine. Those are very low numbers. And I can tell you, um, it, it, we need about 80% vaccination rate in order to create herd immunity. That's to stop the spread of the, the virus. That means we have enough vaccinated uh, individuals um, so that we can stop the disease transmission, uh, disrupting the chain of, the, of, of, of infection and therefore stop the pandemic. So we need to get about 80% herd immunity. Uh, right now, if you look at the, where we are with the vaccination rate so far, uh, African-Americans are about, are getting le uh, less than 50% vaccinated than their white counterparts at this point. Um, we're not going to reach herd immunity if we don't all uh, get vaccinated. So we're all in this together. Um, the, the vaccine is safe. Uh, there's been a lot of safety studies. It doesn't mess with your genes. It doesn't mess with your chromosomes. It's an already an mRNA uh, vaccine. It's, we've been studying this for 30 years. The only difference is we just decided to uh, use mRNA technology technology for vaccines. And so we have seen that it is uh, essentially uh, very mild side effects. Um, its eff effectiveness is, is extraordinarily high, actually higher than most vaccines that we have been given over time. And so uh, as Dr. Khaldun said, we are still studying the vaccine for long-term effects, but uh, thus far, uh, in all of the clinical trials we've seen, this vaccine is very safe and it is very effective. And we need everybody vaccinated. You can't leave out parts of the population because we all won't get to that 80% herd immunity and therefore stop the spread. Can I say something about that? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so so, so I, I love you know, what you just said, Dr. Smitherman, that we are all in this together, right? Obviously, when I get the vaccine, that's for me but it really isn't just for me, it's for others. And I think you know, the, the question that Dion asked earlier about what can religious communities do, I think this is where it really becomes important, being community-minded. So all of us, one of the lessons that we learn in religious communities is that the way people 
most tend to get involved is when other people invite them, right? Someone says, hey, you know, there's this great thing happening at my church, or did you hear about the speaker at the mosque or something like that? Personal connections make all the difference. And I think that's a lesson that should apply now. I'm not sure who's watching this town hall right now. I would guess that it isn't mostly people who are not interested in the vaccine because they probably you know, self-select out. But I will say to everyone watching this, you should talk about it with your friends. You should mention to your friends that you saw this. You should mention to your friends when you were gonna go get the vaccine. You should share when you do that, whether it's on social media or with a phone call, reach out to people. The more that we can spread the word between individuals, a, a passive post on a website somewhere is not enough. It takes direct contact between people. And that's something every single one of us can do is reach out to the people we know and just tell them that you're doing it. Tell them you heard about it. Ask them if they are, encourage them. That's how this will spread and we can get to that 80% number. And I want to second uh, Rabbi Mark that uh, I'm waiting for it too. I'm 64. I, I wish I don't have to wait for another year to get 65, but I'm waiting for it to, to take this vaccine because if we have only two options, the option of virus or vaccine, which one would we choose? So it's about protection of life. The bottom line is that we all have to take it for our protection and for pr uh, protection of our neighbors and our community and country. So this is even a moral obligation for all of us. And I'm not worried about this uh, if personally somebody is worried about side effect. For any medication or injection, there are some side effects, which is normal. But if somebody is really worried, should talk with his doctor, with her doctor. Uh, but but the, the, the point that uh, tens of thousands of doctors and nurses already in Michigan and other states, they already took this vaccine this is the best proof for us to be confident and trust this process and, and go ahead and take it. If I can just make a statement, Dion, uh, I, I keep hearing the term herd immunity. And I think what we need is herd conversation that has integrity and that is uh, founded in truth. Because we have a lot of herd conversation going on. I saw on Facebook, I saw on the internet, uh, somebody sent me this on my phone. And at the end of the day, we have a whole lot of people making decisions off of information from individuals they don't know, from information that, they, that has not been vetted, that, that, that has not been validated or qualified. And I think when we have these kinds of platforms and these kinds of events, and I see on the screen here, it says recording. So I guess that means that this will be on that Facebook page so people can come back and get it. So for whatever reason, if you didn't, as, as, as Rabbi said, if you opted out because I don't want to hear that because I'm not taking it, period, nobody's going to change my mind. Well, we can have some heard conversations and promotions say, y'all really need to go back and take a look at that uh, Facebook event because you had some uh, African-American, I'm talking about for my community now, you had some African-American doctors on there and, and you had some health physicians on there and you had some people that have influence in the community. And, and, and listen, uh, I, I know uh, Reverend Lydia and, and Rabbi and Iman, I know all of them and got to know them through our statewide prayer. And, uh, you know, these are people of integrity. These are people who are in the business of saving lives and helping to improve the quality of life and not in the process of trying to kill, to steal, and to destroy. 
So I would say that we need to have that conversation. Uh, I'll call it heard conversation about truth and about substantive health facts and information. And when I look at this audience here, uh, 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 when I look at this, this uh, panel, uh, look at the panelists here, I think that you have some of the best minds, some of the greatest minds and people of integrity. And listen, we're all staying in our lanes. You know, I'm talking about what God expects of us. The rabbi is saying what our commitment ought to be, not just to ourselves, but to our neighbor as well and the imam as well. So, you know, I, I would say that we need to ask individuals uh, because I've got the Facebook over here going and I see people are tuning in and they're making statements and we need to tell them, you need to call somebody. You need to call three, four, five people and get them on now, but make sure they're aware that this information is out there. So while you're getting fake information, false information, misleading information, that you don't know where it's coming from, get some good information at least to make a good decision from. You know, one Absolutely. of the... Oh, I'm sorry, Deanna. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Rabbi. Just gonna I mean, say Rabbi. One, <laughs> no problem. I was going to say one of the things that, you know, we hear as people of faith, as leaders of faith, is that people say, well, I put my trust in God. I have faith in miracles. I, you know, I have Jesus. I don't need no vaccine. Uh, And I think, you know, yes, we can believe in miracles and in wonderful things happening. And we can also believe that God gave us gifts as doctors and scientists and healers and helpers and that we are given reason to make those decisions and to care for ourselves, as Rabbi Miller said, it's a both and. This is, you know, the miracle happens through the vaccine that's discovered. The miracle happens in the person who, you know, is is healed from the virus because others stayed away from them and they were able to heal at home. Uh, so it's a it's a both and for us as people of faith. Absolutely. And 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 thank you for that. Uh Reverend Buckley and and, Rev, and Bishop uh, Ellis, I think you've coined a new phrase, heard conversation, heard conversation. <laughs> heard conversation. And, and, and Reverend Lydia, you're right. You know, <laughs> I believe in Jesus and I believe that he can send me pennies and dollars from heaven to pay my bills. But uh, why should he do that when I can go get a job? So so at the end of the day, I'm not praying for God to heal my headache. I'm just going to get me an Advil or Motrin and move on down, move on down the road. So, you know, God sends God sends Dr. Smitherman and, and, and Dr. Khaldun. You know, God has sent these individuals to us to bring us uh, 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 resources and to bring us medicine that can get us to a place of better life, better quality of life, better healthy life. And listen, at the end of the day, you know, don't call me at two in the morning to pray for you for your headache. Just go in the cabinet and get a pill. Let me sleep so I can have my message together on Sunday morning. I know I'm being comical, but, you know, I, I'm being serious as well. Sometimes Absolutely. it's way too complicated. Can I, ask a, can, can I ask a question of the uh, of my fellow panelists? So I, so I just, you know, I, I'm like keeping a little eye on the, the Facebook also. Um, and a comment just went by that, that you know, I don't want to like highlight this. I don't know that this is common or not. But someone said, uh, you know, related to this conversation, they said, I'm not going to get the vaccine because I don't believe that what I'm being told is the truth. So I guess my question for, for all of us is how do we, aside from what we're saying, how, how do we convince people? How do we help people understand that the words that we're saying are coming from a place of authenticity, that there, there's truth behind it and it's not just something else, right? It's one thing to tell people what's happening. It's another thing for them to believe it. So, I think more education. I think this is what this conversation is about to uh, 
to remove this ignorance because uh, just what uh, the bishop mentioned that uh, God uh, goes with cause and effect. He gave us the, the gift of rationality, the gift of logic. And the medicine itself is a gift from God. That is a miracle of God. That's God's guidance that uh, gave us this faculty to be able to make medicine. So uh, I think this ignorance exists and conspiracy theories exist, but hopefully with this kind of conversation, and I appreciate that you initiated this conversation so the community can watch us and, and understand that uh, we are talking about the value of life. So it is a huge risk. Take this risk very seriously if you care about your life and life of your community. So when we, we have a conflict between like a harm and a benefit, yeah, there in anything there might be some harm, but when you compare the benefit of this, that you are saving a life, now you may have a headache too. Uh, which one is important, your life or having a headache? I, I, I don't mind to have headache for two hours, but save my life. So I think uh, what, what Rabbi Miller said was very important. And I, I like that he brought up that, that comment. And I do like the term herd communication, uh, uh, Reverend Ellis. I, I might have to use that, Bishop. But let me just tell you, when we received the vaccine to, as first responders to immunize our entire practice, which was about uh, 42 people, um, about 30 of them were MAs and nurses, and the remainder were physicians. 100% of the nurses and the MA said they were not gonna take the vaccine, 100%. And actually that shocked me. I mean, when I heard about it, I, I said, what is going on? It, we, uh, we had a sort of town hall Zoom like this, and we went until every question was answered. And now we have 27 of the 30 people who originally said, no, they were not gonna take the vaccine, have been vaccinated. With one today coming to me and saying, I'm now going to get vaccinated. It has to do with the herd communication. People need, these are, this is not ignorance. These are questions that people have that are legitimate. People were concerned about the speed at which it was developed. You know, they were concerned about the side effects. They were concerned some about some of the religious issues of what was, you know, was there, were there fetal cells used? These are important questions for people. The people were concerned about, you know, it was the, the current administration and they didn't trust the current administration and that bled into actually the virus. These are all legitimate questions that people need answers before they're comfortable with taking the vaccine. And we need to have a herd communication with this country in order for us to increase or decrease, I would say, herd, uh, herd uh, I mean, vaccine hesitancy. If I can pose something to uh, Dr. Caldoun uh, and, and Dr. Smith, and, and either one can, can respond. You know, my wife and I, we joke all the time when we watch these drug commercials that come on during the day or an evening. And I would guess that the drug business, I'm not talking about marijuana and all that, I'm talking about the, the legal drugs, uh, pharmaceuticals, is probably a multi-billion dollar hundreds of billion dollar business, maybe even trillion dollar business. Uh, at the end of the day, when I see all these commercials, you know, uh, whether it's this one or that one, they spend maybe 
uh, 40 seconds of a 60 second commercial telling you what this is going to do for you, how it's going to make you better and how it's going to make you feel. And the last 20 seconds, man, they're flying through that. If this happens, if you go blind or if you go a third eye, go consult your physician, blah, 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 blah. And we said, every drug you're taking out here has the potential for some side effect or multiple side effects. But at the end of the day, they're still flying off the shelf because people feel it's worth the risk because this can bring me some kind of benefit. And Imam said it, and he said it so, so, so apropos, most everything you take out here, if you go in people's cabinets, you probably see all kinds of medicines. And all of those have side effects. As a matter of fact, they probably only need one medicine, but they got two more because they're side effects from that one. And you're still taking that. So the risk that you, the, 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 the risk of being better, as opposed to a side effect that might happen, is well worth it, 408,000 people are dead. And we don't even talk about those who have recovered, but still have lingering effects. And they can't, I asked one girl at my church, and she's a young a young lady, I would say 59 maybe. And uh, I, I asked, I said, uh, uh, sweetheart, tell me what happened uh, or what is, you, you, you've been uh, 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 cleared from COVID for about two months now, tell me. What, 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 what do you feel? Or what, what, what can't you do? Or can you do whatever, whatever? She said this. She said, every day I wake up, I feel like I've already worked a job. She said, every day I wake up, I'm tired. And I'm saying, we don't hear those stories that, well, I'm going to get it, but I'll come through it. But you don't know the lingering effect that it might take on you. So I think that, uh, uh, docs, you all ought to help people to understand that you're taking medicines every day that have side effects. And you learn how to deal with those side effects. And why do you take it? Because it poses a greater potential to give you quality of health. Very important point. If you were to look at aspirin and you were to look up the side effect profile, it's about three to four pages. So everything, every medicinal product has uh, potential side effects. But as they're rolling out this vaccine, which is critical, and I think our state is doing very well with, with respect to that, we are not educating at the same time our public about the vaccine. And they have many questions, which if you answer those most of the time, very simple questions, their willingness to take the vaccine goes up to 100%. So I think whether it's radio, TV, PSAs, town halls like this, I think this is a, 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 a great example if, by the state in doing something to help educate the community, but they're gonna to have to do a lot of these kind of town halls to make sure that people are comfortable with the vaccine. They understand the complications. As you said, uh, uh, Bishop Ellis, we are seeing that there are chronic syndromes, chronicity associated with this virus. People get it, they sort of, they sort of get over the major acute symptoms, but they have these chronic systems. Uh, symptoms for quite a while. And we're seeing that that is more prevalent as more and more people get infected. So this vex, this virus is no joke. Everyone needs to get vaccinated because not only does it protect you, it protects all of us. We are in this together. If we don't do this together, it's not going to work. And I think in cases like that, people have to, we, I mean, if they have a religious question, they come to me, to bishop, to rabbi. But this is a medical issue. This is a scientific issue. People have to listen to Dr. Khaldun, 
to you, doctor. And the, the majority of scientists that they, they already uh, explained this issue. So this is a, uh, an area of the expert and people in this issue should listen to the expert of, of the area. Dr. Kaudu. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Smitherman said it well, um, Reverend Bishop, they all said it well. I mean, you're right, it's about risk and benefit. And again, this is safer than know, Tylenol. Like, Tylenol has all kinds of side effects, but you can go and get it right off the shelf. And I think a lot of people take Tylenol every day. Um, and I think it's important just to note that for those, we call it long haulers, so people who have those long-term health impacts, it can cause inflammation of your heart. I work in the ER, I see people who had COVID last April, they're still coming in because they're weak and they can't get on well at, at, at home and they're coming back in and having to be admitted even to the hospital over and over again. And it's all people of all ages, it's also the young and, and people who are older. So again, I think it's already been said quite well um, that you know everyone should really look to get the vaccine when it's available to you. Thank you so much. We are, as, as everyone stated, we have to deal in facts and not fiction. And as we notice uh, with our governor and Lieutenant Governor Dr. Caldoun, as we manage through this pandemic, we've been led by the data. We've been focusing on the facts and not the fiction. And so as, as we're in this together, uh, everything that you guys have started to discuss, this is, a, this is the first in a series of town hall meetings that we'll be hosting uh, throughout the state uh, coming up soon. Um, but we're in this all together. And uh, everything that was said on here was well said. And we have about 10 more minutes left in this uh, panel discussion. So I'm gonna give each one of you about two minutes of what you can uh, lean to, what you can leave for us to say to uh, help convince other individuals to get the vaccine. And I wanna start off with uh, Dr. Caldoun if we could. Yeah, thank you. I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's, it's great to see many of you again. I've seen many of you over the past year. Dr. Smitherman, old friends when, from my time in, in Detroit. Um, <laughs> but I'll just say, you know, it's been an incredibly hard uh, past 10 months. Um, no one could have imagined, I certainly didn't imagine that I would ever be in this role or even having to live through a pandemic of this magnitude. But I think it's important for people to know these vaccines are the tool. They're the tool for us to end this pandemic. It's the tool for us to stop seeing so many people die. I don't know a single person, particularly in a community of color or a healthcare worker who does not know someone who has not only gotten the virus, but gotten very sick and died from it, including myself and my own family. Colleagues who have trained me have died from this terrible virus. This vaccine is the tool. And what I'm very concerned about is quite frankly, the same communities that have been so hard hit from this virus, who have seen the highest number of deaths, it's the same community that is, is more hesitant about getting this vaccine. Now, I also think it's important we should not be, and I certainly don't shame anyone, as Dr. Smitherman said, for having a question. People should have questions. Uh, they're good questions, and they should have an opportunity to have their questions answered. So please, people, keep on you know, sending your questions. Keep coming to uh, these town halls. We do have media and, and many more events that we'll be pushing out from the state level. We're going to be announcing the Protect Michigan Commission in the upcoming uh, uh, weeks, um, run through the governor's office. Again, we really want people to have an opportunity to have their questions answered. And I hope that once you do learn the facts, you will decide to choose uh, to get the vaccine to protect not only yourself, but your, your family uh, and your community members. So thank you for the conversation today. Thank you. Dr. Smitherman. 
first of all, thank you, uh, Dion, for inviting me. Thank uh, the, the governor's office and the governor's staff and Dr. Khaldun for having me on. Um, I think these are very well, um, very much needed um, across the state to answer uh, people's questions. I think Dr. Khaldun's uh, recent comments were, um, were on target. I think my last comment would be, we're about to attempt one of the largest logistical feats in human history. And that is we need to vaccinate a nation and the world to stop a pandemic. And one thing I tell people and I tell the trainees I have here, we're the only generation in human history that's been able to fight back against a pan pandemic with science uh, to end that same pandemic in real time. And we are going if, if this is going to occur, if we are going to be successful, we are all in this together. We must do this together, including our communities of color, which oftentimes have appropriate mistrust of the healthcare system. And so we're going to have to have specific funding to help communities of color, urban communities, uh, uh, faith-based communities, all communities really, to, to answer, get their questions answered so that we can all get uh, um, uh, vaccinated. And so I think uh, um, um, in the interest of our families, our friends, our loved ones, our neighbors, our way of life, our, our economy, we need to end the madness of this uh, pandemic. And so I pray and hope all will take this vaccine so we can get back to normal. Reverend Lydia. Thanks so much, Dion. Uh, that is so powerful, Dr. Smitherman, the, that we're the first generation. You know, when you look at all of our scriptures and all of our holy writings across all of our traditions, we have these stories of suffering and of people having to make sacrifice um, and having to come together as community and lean into their faith and care for one another. Generation after generation, this is the story of our people, no matter our faith tradition. Um, so I didn't think I'd be living through one of those times. But here I am, here we are. Uh, and so as a Christian, I have to ask, what would Jesus have me do as you know, a person of faith? What would God have us do other than lean into love? And love in this case is caring for one another, protecting the most vulnerable, protecting ourselves. We, ex we can express that love by, by preventing the spread of further suffering and pain. We know that this will pass. We as Christians are resurrection people. We believe in new life. We believe in new birth. We know that there's hope on the other side of this, but we have to do our part to get there. Uh, Ibam Alahi. Uh, thank you. It was very uh, good initiative and conversation. And you mentioned beyond that uh, facts and fictions. I think this is very important point that there are so many things happening in history of our country, history of the world, there are facts, but don't mix it with this situation. This is a pandemic, it's a global, over 98 million people in the world now, they are suffering from this uh, COVID-19, uh, over 2 million people already died globally. So we have to take it seriously. And I end with the prayer for uh, those who lost their lives, God bless those souls, and also uh, provide patience for their family, and may God uh, protect our nation and uh, humanity uh, from this uh, deadly disease. 
Thank you. Bishop Ellis. Yeah, uh, Dr. Smitherman, I mean, you just gave me a message, man. You, you know, you, you kind of stepped in my lane when you made the statement that we're the only generation that is able to fight back. And now I'm getting ready to step in Rabbi Miller's lane. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, you know, the children of Israel, you know, they were in an encamped place and, and, and poisonous state snakes had, had gone throughout that camp and it bitten many of them and they were going to die. And Moses and God gave Moses uh, the word to uh, make a brazen a golden serpent and put it on a stick and hold it up before the people. And all the people would have to do is to look to, this, to, to that serpent on that stick and they would live. And many of them wouldn't look to that serpent because that was what had attacked them and caused them to be in the situation that they were in. Listen, I don't know whether this pandemic is man-made. I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm done with bats, cats, rats, uh, China, Indonesia, wherever. At the end of the day, we have now a serpent on a stick. And all we have to do is to be vaccinated. And brothers and sisters, there is nothing in life that is guaranteed, but 95% uh, uh, efficacy, 94.7% efficacy. I mean, to me, it's really a no-brainer, but I know it's not a no-brainer, but I, I'm saying get the information, get off of the internet, stop letting people send you stuff and you don't know where it's come from, it hasn't been vetted, validated, you don't know whether it's true or false, Get in these kinds of town home, town town uh, hall uh, events. Get this information and look at these individuals, you know, and 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 pray to God that uh, look at their integrity, look at their influence in the communities, their work study, and help yourself. Because I leave it with this: God's not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. Rabbi Miller. So, uh, so a moment ago, Reverend Lydia said that. As religious people, if we lean in with love, we will take steps like this because we, we have to share love with the people around us. And I think that that's a wonderful approach. I'd like to offer another religious way to, to approach this, which is that as religious people, I think one of the messages that comes out of our uh, ancient stories is the fact that these, these bodies were given. Right? This life that we're given is a gift. We are given a gift and we are obligated to protect that gift and to do everything we can to keep it safe because this is literally a gift from God to live this life. So one of our customs in Jewish tradition, uh, a, a really a law in Jewish tradition is that we're not actually allowed to take chances with this life. For example, it tells us that we're not allowed, we are forbidden to walk across a rickety bridge and put ourselves at risk. And I think part of what's happening right now is that we all have to make choices. We, we like our freedom. I think as human beings, we like our freedom. Certainly as Americans, we like our freedom. And yes, everyone will make their own decisions about whether to do this or not. But if you consider yourself a person who is part of a community, if you consider yourself a religious person, that means that there are limits to your freedom and there are obligations that you also take on. And again, one of those obligations, I believe, is to keep ourselves protected and to push ourselves away from harm whenever we can. So might there be concerns about side effects or other effects or uh, you know things that might happen to us because of this vaccine sure th those are fair concerns i'm not saying they aren't but it's clear from every doctor i've heard from every scientist every religious leader every civic government leader it, it's very clear that the bigger harm is from covid that's the bigger harm and so our obligation is to keep ourselves away from the bigger harm by maybe taking on the risk of the smaller one 
and again, my, my final word is that I believe it's an obligation. This is not something that we should be playing around with. We have a responsibility to do the right thing. Thank you. Thank you all. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for being on this panel. There was a, this was a very hearty conversation. And again, to those that are watching, this is the first in a series of town hall meetings that we want you to chime in and chime in on and listen and, and, and to get your questions answered. And I want to thank every, each and every one of you for being a part and offering your wisdom, your knowledge, and your fortitude for being here and hoping that we can mitigate through this pandemic and, and get, get out of this vaccine because we want to get back to some type of normalcy, right? Uh, so we can go back to movie theaters or bowling alleys um, or even coming back to church services and being able to hug on one another and love on one another and treat everyone as they're supposed to be treated. Um, first and foremost, I want to uh, thank our governor, uh, her leadership and what she's been doing uh, as managing through this pandemic and helping keeping all of us safe. And then I want to thank um, MDHHS, uh, Michigan Department of Health and Human Services for leading the charge when it comes to these town halls. And then also I wanna thank those people that are behind the scenes. Angela Martin, uh, Angela Machuni, excuse me, from Martin Will Meyer, and then Mario Morrow and Associates. And then also um, Darice Darling from MDHHS. Uh, thank you all and I appreciate you all from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and God bless. Thank you.